through that morning, his thoughts ran in the same doleful groove until the time for work came to an end and he found himself in the playground and free to indulge his melancholy for a few minutes in solitude, for the others were still loitering about in the schoolroom and a glass outhouse originally intended for a conservatory but now devoted to boots and slates and the books, liberally besmeared with guilt, and telling of the exploits of boy heroes so beloved of boys. Mr. Bultitude, only too delighted to get away from them for a little while, was leaning against the parallel bars in dull despondency, when he heard a rustling in the laurel hedge which cut off the house garden from the graveled playground, and looking up, saw Dulcie slip through the shrubs and come towards him with an air of determination in her proud little face. She looked prettier and daintier than ever in her grey hat and warm fur tippet. But of course Paul was not of the age or in the mood to be much affected by such things. He turned his head pettishly away. "'It's no use doing that, Dick.' she said. I'm tired of sulking. I shan't sulk any more till I have an explanation. Paul made the sound generally written, pshaw. You ought to tell me everything. I will know it. Oh, Dick, you might tell me. I always told you anything you wanted to know, and I let Mamma think it was I broke the clock shade last term, and you know you did it. And I want to know something so very badly. It's no use coming to me, you know, said Paul. I can't do anything for you. Yes, you can. You know you can, said Dulcie impulsively. You can tell me what was in that letter you had at breakfast, and you shall, too. What an inquisitive little girl you are, said Paul sententiously. It's not nice for little girls to be so inquisitive. It doesn't look well. I knew it cried Dulcie. You don't want to tell me because, because it's from that other horrid girl you like better than me, and you promised to belong to me forever and ever, and now it's all over. Say it isn't. Oh, Dick, promise to give the other girl up. I'm sure she's not a nice girl. She's written you an unkind letter now, hasn't she? Upon my word, said Paul, this is very forward. At your age, too. Why, my Barbara. Your Barbara. You dare to call her that? Oh, I knew I was right. I will see that letter now. Give it me this instant, said Dulcie imperiously. And Paul really felt almost afraid of her. No, no, he said, retreating a step or two. It's all a mistake. There's nothing to get into such a passion about. There isn't indeed. And don't cry. You're really a pretty little girl. I only wish I could tell you everything, but you'd never believe me. Oh, yes, I would, Dick, protested Dulcie, only too willing to be convinced of her boy lover's constancy. I'll believe anything, if you'll only tell me. And I'm sorry I was so angry. Sit down by me and tell me from the very beginning— I promise not to interrupt. Paul thought for a moment. After all, why shouldn't he? It was much pleasanter to tell his sorrows to her little ear 
and hear her childish wonder and pity than face her terrible father. He had tried that. And then she might tell her mother, and so his story might reach the doctor's ears after all, without further effort on his part. Well, he said at last, I think you're a good-natured little girl. You won't laugh. Perhaps I will tell you. So he sat down on the bench by the wall, and Dulcie, quite happy again now at this proof of good faith, nestled up against him confidingly, waiting for his first words with parted lips and eager sparkling eyes. Not many days ago, began Paul, I was somebody very different from... Oh, indeed, said a jarring, sneering voice close by. Was you?